This is Positive Parenting. Parenting expertise and advice from best-selling parenting author and national newspaper columnist, Mr. Dad, Armin Brott. Hey there, welcome to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brott. She comes home from school and heads straight for her room without saying a word, slamming the door behind her. She neglects her homework. She texts all night and has a meltdown over yet another crisis with her friends or a boy. When you dare to ask her a question, she explodes. On good days, that's life with a typical teenage daughter. No wonder so many moms and dads feel discouraged, exasperated, and exhausted. It's perfectly understandable that millions of mothers and fathers are at wit's end, struggling with their volatile teens, but also being unprepared for the tangle of emotions that it triggers. Well, it's no wonder that parents lash out when teens push their buttons. But overreacting or freezing up doesn't feel good, and it doesn't solve problems or build the relationship that you want. If you've got a teenage daughter or you know somebody's teenage daughter or you're in danger of having one sometime soon, you're definitely going to want to stay tuned for this part of today's show. We're going to be talking with a family therapist who has repaired thousands of mother-daughter relationships, and she's got a proven method for de-escalating scenes, establishing a calmer center, and reconnecting with teens. Anyone can learn this method, she says, no matter how anxious or frazzled you may feel now. I'm Armin Brunt. We'll start talking about how to reduce conflict and reconnect with your teenage daughter when Positive Parenting continues right after this. More with Mr. Dad, Armin Brunt, after this, from the MrDad.com radio network. As an 18-year-old, I let my mistakes kind of take over my life. I was 0.5 credits away from completing high school, and I didn't do it. Ten years later, at age 28, Jackie finished her high school diploma. When I found out that I was pregnant, I know that I had to do something for myself if I wanted to make her a better person and provide a better life for her. My family never stopped pushing for me to be better because they knew what I could become and who I could become as a person. My support team is amazing. The educational director, my sister, and even my seven-year-old daughter has just been more than the support that I could ask for. I've been given an opportunity, and I'm just thankful for it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brott, and my guest for this part of today's show is Colleen O'Grady, who's the author of Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict and Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter. Colleen, thanks for joining us. Glad you're with us. I'm so glad to be here. Well, let's talk a little bit about, I think, one of the big questions here that I've got as a dad, anyway. What's the big deal with mother-daughter relationships? Why are they so problematic? <laughs> well, I think I think moms really identify with their daughters, and there is kind of an emotional connection between the mother and daughter that's, that's, that moms kind of hoped for when they had their little girl. But because of that closeness, it were, it can go... Can go south pretty quickly because we can get very reactive. Okay, how much of it do you think is 
competitive. And, and I'm, I'm asking this because I know in, in researching fathers and sons that right around the teenage years, dads are, you know, getting a little bit older and perhaps aren't quite as spry as they used to be. And they're seeing their son is becoming a man and he's he's out there and maybe starting to get interested in girls. And it, it kind of gets you thinking about maybe things you didn't do. And, and there can be in, in the father-son, father-teen, father-young adult relationships, a, a sense of competition in a way, it's, which if you think about it rationally, it's ridiculous, but it's, it's still there. Is that still going on or is that kind of thing going on with uh, mothers and daughters? Um, it's it's a little bit different. Um, sometimes the mom wants their daughters to have what, what the mother didn't have. Um, they want their daughters not to make the same mistakes. Um, other times they want their daughters, because they identify with their daughters, they want their daughters to look a certain way, act a certain way. They don't want to be embarrassed by their daughters. And so it's more about kind of identification with with their daughter versus competition was there something else so, okay so 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 one of the traps that that happens for moms is that moms have their agendas for their daughters and they, i mean they have it and underneath those agendas is a lot of anxiety because they worry about their future they're going to i'm sure like and with fathers and sons, you worry they worry about getting into the college, worry, worry, worry. Um, are they doing what they need to be successful? And so the agenda turns moms into kind of what I call the 24-7 monitor. And, and you're doing it out of a, a good reason. You want your daughter to be successful, but you kind of come off like super annoying because you're saying – what I mean by the 24-7 monitor is, come on, you need to get up, you need to get dressed, you need to eat your breakfast, you need to get in the car, you need to get your homework done, you need to give me your phone, it's time to go to bed. And and you're doing that out of anxiety because you want your kid to be successful. But then what happens, because moms just can get pretty wound up sometimes, is that there's not another aspect to the relationship. It becomes a lot of monitoring and less about just hanging out. Yeah. Well, how different is that, though, from the kinds of stuff that you're doing with a three-year-old or a two-year-old? I mean, it's it's the same kind of stuff, right? Get out of bed. You got to do this. You got to do that. And there's just a, a huge amount of mundane cattle herding. Right, right. But but teenagers are, I mean, I don't think any age kid is very tolerant of that. But teenagers are even less less tolerant, and I think they really want to be understood. And so, what's really important about my work is is helping moms reconnect with their teens and not just get, you know, default into being just this monitor. Because, I mean, these girls need us. I mean, parent-teen relationships are still important, actually are vital to, you know, to their well-being. Okay. No, but that, that's, I think that's a very important point. Talk a little bit about fear. You, you deal with that in the book quite a bit. What's, yes. the, what's the fear element here with the mother-daughter relationship? Oh, there's so much. <laughs> I think, I think you, the, the, the big fear is that... Um, is around the future, is that her daughter's not going to be okay. Okay. 
she's not going to be successful. And then there are a kajillion worries that go with that fear, you know, which um, if the daughter wears a skirt that's a little too short or a shirt that's a little bit too low, there's a fear. And then, and mothers can just jump from, you know, zero to a hundred. A low shirt can, when, when you get, when you're worrying a lot, can have you thinking that, oh my God, she's going to get pregnant. And <laughs> it's a big leap, I guess, in, in somebody's mind, but I, I can see how you'd get there. Yes. That's and the so zero to also, 100 part, yeah. So, so let me make a distinction between, I mean, there's going to be fear that is useful, that we can take action and make sure that we have our kids protected. But then, um, then there is what I call the F-bomb of fear. And that's like the big honking fear that really has us go offline from our higher brain and we're in more of the reactive brain. And when we're in that part of the brain, we do a lot of kind of compulsory type of actions that are not real helpful. Like you can feel like you're doing something when you're worrying a lot Mm -hmm. or when you're losing it with your teen or when you're just going on and on in a big lecture but really you haven't taken effective action. So, um, and when you're in big time fear, the big F-bomb of fear, you only have the stress response of fight, flight, freeze. So you automatically fight with your team or you don't want to deal with it or you freeze up. So I I help moms and and of course it can be dads too, kind of have a process of going from the F-bomb and, and taking that down into kind of just a fear that can be useful mm-hmm. by seeing what needs to be done. Well, let's cut, loop these two things that we've just been talking about together, about the, the 24-7 monitoring and, and this fear part of things. Okay. What do you do about this? I mean, how do you get yourself to a point where you're not the 24-7 monitor? I mean, how, how do you, you know, kids have to get up, they got to go to school, they they got to make their lunches and do their homework and things. So there's a certain amount of stuff that has to be done. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. So how, yeah. how do you do this? What's an alternative way of looking at it or, or okay. behaving? Well, it, here's really the good news is I really believe that you can change your relationship with your teen in 15 minutes a day. And what I mean by that is if you as a parent can start to see that just hanging out, being with your teen with no agenda is so worthwhile and so productive. And so for the moms who are like, and and I get it, I I am that mom, and we do have limited time. But if you can say, all right, from 4 o'clock to 4.30, I am going to fire myself from being the 24-7 monitor, and I'm just going to be available for my team to, to just touch base with me. And I'm just going to be there to hang out because your team needs to know that there's times that you're just not going to always be hurting them. And so when you just even do that, the teen starts to have a positive experience with you, which is just crucial. And often, with the teens are what are hardwired for drama, and 
when they relax, they um, they get out of the lower limbic system, and they're they're ready to talk to you. So a lot of times it may not be convenient for you. So when you're just kind of set a time to kind of be available, when they relax, the good news is they will approach you. And sometimes we we miss the value of it because we think, oh, my God, you need to be doing your homework. But if they're showing you this YouTube video of a cat, it's valuable. Jump on it. Absolutely. Yeah. Talking with Colleen O'Grady, who's the author of Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict and Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter. We are going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we'll keep talking to Colleen about a lot of this stuff. I want to touch especially on that point that you just made about daughters being hardwired for drama. I'm Armin Brant, and you're listening to Positive Parenting. Dave, what are you doing? Just sending a gift to Dave2037. Who? Me in the future. I save a little money from every paycheck as a gift to Dave2037 so he can spend it on things like anti-gravity boots or a hologram Doberman. Something cool like that. I think Dave2037 deserves it. He worked hard. What are you getting Steve2037? I guess I was thinking Steve2037 would just fend for himself. Well, all right. But don't expect to be borrowing my anti-gravity boots. You want to have money in your future? You got to start saving now. Putting some money from every paycheck into a savings account or contributing to your 401k can make a big difference later. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. For free ideas and easy ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. Hey, let's just hope Steve2037 doesn't get his hands on a cold time machine because he is going to come back here and knock some sense into you. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. It only takes a minute to find out if you may have prediabetes. And you can do it at doihaveprediabetes.org. But you're probably not going to. Nope. I'm sure you've got a perfectly good excuse. Kids, work. (laughs) I get it. You're busy. So what better time than now? Let's begin. Raise one finger if you're a man. Ladies, none yet. Oh, count in your head if you're driving. Now, three more fingers for everyone over 60, two over 50, one over 40, one more if you're not physically active, another finger if anyone in your family has type 2 diabetes, another if you've got high blood pressure, if you're overweight, raise another finger, two if you're very overweight, and three if you're really overweight. You've just taken the world's first audio prediabetes test. And if you're holding up five or more fingers, visit doihaveprediabetes.org or talk to your doctor. There's no excuse because prediabetes can be reversed. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. Welcome back to Positive Parenting. If you're just joining us, talking with Colleen O'Grady, who's the author of Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict and Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter. So let's do go back to that point that you made. It just you, you went right by it almost, but I think it's such a big one about you have a chapter or a part of a chapter called Why Your Teenage Daughter, Why Your Daughter is Hardwired for Drama and Why It's Not Personal. So let's, <laughs> let's go there. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. I like to say that uh, a teenage daughter is a quadruple threat for drama. And, <clears throat> and one aspect of it is the hormones that any mother has a teenage daughter knows that the hormones are a factor. They're not the main issue, but they are there. And the main issue really is that the the brain is under um, construction. And and a lot of people have heard the 
that the undeveloped prefrontal cortex is undeveloped until the age of 25, but we don't actually know what that means. And that's significant for two reasons. Is One is that part of the brain is responsible for um, the big picture, uh, understanding cause and effect, managing emotions, self-awareness. So a lot of things that frustrates parents is this kind of immaturity of the prefrontal cortex, which is really like, if you think of a car, it's like the brakes. Right. It's like a teenager has faulty brakes. And so what that means is that a lot of times that the teenager defaults more in into the lower brain, which is the reactive part of the brain because that part of the teenager's brain is fully developed. So that is also the part of the brain that can easily get um, <clears throat> ticked off, and it goes into fight-flight-freeze. Right. All right, so uh, the, the brain stuff I, I find perfectly fascinating all the time, but I think a lot of yes. people are, are, would listen to this and say, okay, I don't really care about what's going on with brain development. Why is my daughter such a nut? And what do I do about that? <laughs> yes, yes. How do we deal with it? I mean, how do you get to the point? So, I mean, it, it's helpful to understand, okay, I see she's, her, her brakes need to be adjusted okay. at some yes, point. But, I can, you know. I, yes, I can make this super practical. Okay. And this is going to save you parents so much grief. So timing is everything. If you see your teen is emotionally flooded, if they're super angry, super sad, super stressed, then that's not the time. They are, I like to think of it as they're, that the brain is like a computer. They're offline. They are offline from the higher brain. So any kind of reasoning is not happening because all they got is the word processor. They, they, can't, they can't access the Internet. This is a, a lot of times when the kid is emotionally flooded and I've got stories and stories and stories of, you know, the kid that comes in at three in the morning and then the parent says, that's the time I'm going to give you the big lecture. Well, one, the kid's high and, you know, two is, is, you know, the parents upset, the teens upset, nothing is going to be accomplished at that time. Now, here's the good news is when the teen kind of relaxes and you relax because, see, also, when we're emotionally flooded, we're offline, too. So when we are more calm and the teen is calm, that is the best time to go in and have that conversation or, you know, a teaching moment with them. And it gives, so that pause, the space to calm down is just it's crucial for both the parent and teen and for the parent like when you're in it it feels like you know if I don't just go after it in this moment that I just caught my kid doing something then I'm a terrible parent it, it feels almost primal but if you can wait then you can get a strategy um, for what you're going to do about it and because discipline right. is really about teaching and it sometimes it take we have to calm down to really know what we what is that consequence what do our teens really need to learn in that moment 
Well, don't you think that there should be something in the moment, though? At, le- at least to something like, you know what, I'm I'm really ticked off here, but let's talk about this tomorrow. I mean, so, yes, so that there's yes. at least something that, that acknowledges oh. the, the issue? Yes, thanks, Armin. Yes, so what I, I, I say in the moment is, is you want to just contain the moment. It's a containing. It's not the lecture. So it's like, okay, you need to go to your room. You need to give me the keys of the car. We'll talk about this tomorrow. Like you just contain the situation. Okay, that's an important thing. Yes, so thank you for bringing that up. Okay. Uh, so how do you discipline a teenage daughter then? So what, what is that conversation in the morning? Yeah. Well, and this, you know, and I'm sure you have a lot to say, say about this too, but I think when we're upset, we just say, we can say things like, you're grounded forever, you're never going to drive again, and things that we can't actually enforce. But it takes really a lot of time to think about, what do they need? And I do have a, a chapter in my book that just kind of gives you a menu of things that you can think about. So, for example, it's like, like what is, it's like different in every situation. Mm-hmm. All right, well, um, l- let me give you a specific situation, because I think this is something that pretty much every parent who has a teenager has had to deal with, the I hate you. Mm, because yeah. I mean, you know, which is, is so hurtful, and yeah. they clearly do. Either they are doing it deliberately because they know that it's hurtful, or they just don't understand. I think it's kind of a combination of both. But the, the natural reaction for, is, is going to be to say, well, screw you. But mm-hmm. we're obviously not going to do that or shouldn't do that. <laughs> uh, you know, or you, you're so ungrateful. Can't you recognize all the wonderful things that I've done for you? What, what's a way to deal with that? Uh, well, I've had it happen to me when my daughter was probably 12. Um, when it first happens, when they first say those words to you, I mean, it just it knocks the wind out of you. And then later you find what it really means is I'm really just the teen really means, you know, I'm ticked off that I didn't get to do what I wanted to do. But when I, I think in that, like a situation like that, I would go back or I, I've done this. And uh, when she's calmed down and I, I'd said, you know, that's just not okay to say that. And, <clears throat> and then I think it's important to teach them how to apologize. And so with my daughter, it was like, okay, I'm sorry. And then I'm saying, that's actually not an apology. You know, so I'm sorry. And, and how can you own your behavior in that and own the, the, how that affected me and the consequence to that behavior that needs to go in the apology. And then, um, and then I think it's really important to make amends. So, so I would talk to her about, okay, you know, thinking about our relationship. What are some things that you do appreciate about me, or, or like I, I, I would have her write what was true for her, and and then I would say to her. I want you to make a gesture to show me that you are sorry. 
and that, and you, and that a, you understand the effect that this had on me. Yes. Yeah. And so, because I think it's important for them to take action. Mm-hmm. And so, in this situation, my daughter did something was way better than I could ever imagine. Is she sent her, the dog in my room, and the dog had a piece of paper, you know, um, curled up. And in the curled up piece of paper, I took it out, and it was a note from my daughter. And it, and she sent me on kind of this treasure hunt through the house. And it said, "I'm so sorry for saying I hate you." And you know, and in the kitchen, you might find something yummy or whatever. And so, yeah. so she had these notes in all the different parts of the house saying all the things she appreciated about me. Wow. Colleen O'Grady's the author of Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict and Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter. Thanks for joining us. It was great to have you. Thanks so much. Hey, there he is. How's it going? I'm having a stroke. Are you going to shake my hand or what? I'm having a stroke. Wow, you're not even moving your arm. I'm having a stroke. Are you okay? I'm having a stroke. Your face looks weird, too. I'm having a stroke. Are you having a seizure or something? I'm having a stroke. When someone is having a stroke, they may not be able to say it with words, but their body language will tell you loud and clear. I'm having a stroke. You just need to know the sudden signs. Look for FAST, F-A-S-T. F, face drooping. A, arm weakness. Or S, speech difficulty. Then T, time. Time to call 911 immediately. Because the sooner they get to the hospital, the sooner they'll get treatment. And that can make a remarkable difference in their recovery. Know the sudden signs. Face, arm, speech, time. Spot a stroke fast. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Hello, welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brott, founder of MrDad.com. You know, summer is just around the corner, and of course, that means that I'm getting a lot of questions about teens and summer jobs, and here's one from an actual teen. Dear Mr. Dad, I want to get a job this summer, but my parents are refusing to give me permission. They say I'm too young, but I disagree. I'm turning 15 a week before school ends, and some of my friends have had summer jobs for a few years. I'm jealous that they have their own money to spend and don't have to ask their parents for it, which I hate doing. What can I do to convince my parents to let me get a job? Well, you know, you got me convinced. Your desire to find work and the fact that you're already thinking about it months in advance are clear signs that you are plenty old enough and mature enough to handle a summer job. I guarantee that parents all over the country are listening to this and wishing that their teenager or older child who's still living at home would ask the same thing. That said, your parents may have a point. According to the U.S. Department of Labor, the minimum age for working outside of school hours is 14. But in most states, if you're under 16, you need to get a work permit from your school before you can get a job, even when school's not in session. Certain other age limits may kick in depending on the type of job you're doing and how many hours you'll be doing it. So check with your school guidance counselor. Now, assuming you're on solid legal ground age-wise, sit down with your parents and talk with them about why you want a summer job in the first place and the types of jobs you're most interested in applying for. Ask them what their hesitation is and listen carefully. Maybe they're worried about your safety, either on the job or getting yourself there and back. Those are perfectly reasonable concerns for parents to have, so it'll be up to you to deal with them. 
You might agree to work only during daylight hours or to look for jobs that you can easily get to and get back from safely. Your parents may have other worries as well. Judging from how much thought and planning you've put into your summer job plans, I'm going to go out on a limb here and guess that you're a driven straight-A student and that you put a lot of pressure on yourself to succeed. If that's true, and I say this as the father of a child who was like that in high school, your parents may feel that you need a break from work and that you should use your summer as a time to unwind and relax. Another reasonable concern, so you should spend some time thinking about how to assure them that you're giving yourself enough downtime to enjoy the summer. If your parents need a little bit more convincing, here are a few ways that having a part-time job are good for you. It'll help you build competence, independence, and self-esteem. It'll also make you even more responsible than you already are. You'll learn a lot of useful skills, such as how to follow instructions, get along with bosses and coworkers, deal with the public, and manage your money. You'll learn something about the value of hard work, and you'll appreciate everything you spend your paychecks on because you'll have earned it, not because mom and dad gave it to you. Once you get your parents on board, which I know you will, don't let yourself get consumed by making money. Balance in life is essential, especially for someone your age, and that means leaving room for family and friends and plenty of downtime to just hang out and be a kid. Thanks for listening to Positive Parenting. You can get more information on today's show and what we're working on in the weeks ahead at MrDad.com. While you're there, visit the MrDad.com gift shop with everything you need to help you become the dad or mom you want to be. Positive Parenting is a production of the MrDad.com radio network. Now, go be a great parent.